Bringing solutions and giving a voice to these issues. Talk to Adara. My name is Adora Onyeja. It is a privilege always to have you here. Every Tuesday at 4 p.m. on 99.9 Kiss FM Abuja. Talk to Adara. It will leave you at the edge of your seat. Good evening. How are you this fantastic Tuesday uh, evening? It's been showers all the way. Rain, rain, rain. But some people will say, yes, it's still a bit hot. And um, yes, uh, in some quarters, it's still very, very hot. Talking about the issue on uh, sexual harassment and sexual violence. Still talking about it across uh, Nigeria. And yes, it's also looking at the case scenarios in other parts of the world. Hello, everyone there. And on Facebook, I know you're watching. If you're just joining us, this is Talk to Adora. And um, I am your host, Adora Onyechere. I remember that last week we had an interesting conversation here, both sober and interesting. Uh, we started with the economy, uh, the economy post-COVID. How well is Nigeria prepared? Highlighting uh, the viewpoints uh, from both analysts. We had Tokbe Faswa and also we had um, Dr. Laz, uh, who is also um, a public uh you know policy social and social innovation um analyst as well as a health practitioner so we had two different variations of conversation talking about the economy and then the health perspective another thing that we also drew strength from was the voices of the men in the studio in that capacity uh considering what happened um last week the case of um or, you know, justice for a while has been trending across all social media uh, platforms as well. 
and it's not yet over till it's over like i was telling someone uh yesterday uh, it might just look like another you know movement another talk but let me just take you know a case scenario that has shocked nigerians for the past week uh, first of all we had the university student um who was raped in church uh, her head was bashed through the fire extinguisher they say the suspects have been arrested or a suspect has been arrested. We still yet to get a uh, word on that. We also had a 12-year-old girl raped over two months uh, in northwest Jigawa State. They say 11 arrests have been made on that. We also had Tina Ezekwe who was killed by a policeman in southwest Lagos State. Two policemen have been arrested. Uh, Barakat Bello. We also know Barakat Bello, uh, who was allegedly gang-raped and murdered in southwest or your state. No arrest whatsoever um, has been made on that account. And yes, the 17-year-old girl uh, who was gang-raped in southwest Akiti State, two arrests arrest have been made now. That is just in the past week. So we're, we are also looking at a, uh, at a worrying factor that the numbers could actually be more and could also be underreported. But not to go away from our focus today, we are also going to be looking at the issue of our theme i mean if you look at the consideration of what's been happening it's an emergency absolutely uh an emergency and we are tired nigerians are tired not just women but both men both parents uh in the workplace we are tired of the harassment we're, we're in, in the schools we are tired of the harassment uh we are also tired of the harassment in social places there is no outer of excuse for anyone to sexually harass another human being and there is nothing like consent by body language i had someone say that you know on social media two days ago that there could be consent by body language when you're saying no but you mean yes or you're saying yes but you mean i don't know where they get that from i don't know if it's old-fashioned or old school but please there's nothing like body language consent if no means no there's nothing like oh she's smiling and saying no but it means yes and he's smiling and saying no but he means yes there's nothing like that please so uh ladies and you know just so not to be misconstrued when you smile and say no say no with a capital n you know so that they know that there is no you know mixed messages in it so we have our guests in house you know and in in studio guests today we're going to be talking to miriam boko hassan she's a poet motivational speaker entrepreneur activist on violence against women and yes of course uh, has gained vast recognition for her video on domestic violence titled violence has no religion absolutely and i think that is the way to go um again we're also going to be talking to uh shegun i want to say shegun also called sega link i know you remember the almighty famous hashtag nsas um, he's the proprietor for that. Uh, Shegel is the founder, Social Intervention Advocacy Foundation. If you're looking at me, Shegel, I'm waving back at you. And um, also, people on Facebook will be really wondering, you know, what exactly we're going to be talking about today. But today, what we're going to focus about is emergency, you know, state of emergency on rape. I think it's about time. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we'll come back in, we will definitely continue with the show. But remember, no means no, and there is no nothing like body language consent honestly i don't feel okay with this isolation staying indoors without going anywhere it's like hell for me after these two weeks now what the next step to take what do we forward i can tell you that in my constituency i'm yet to hear somebody telling me that he has benefited from the conditional cash transfer and other programs like that it's worrisome that this is happening how has this been for you, first as a lawmaker and second as a Nigerian? 
Talk to Adara. A talk show like never before, delving deep into the hearts of social issues, unapologetic, engaging, thought-provoking, a show that bridges the gap between the people and policymakers, bringing solutions and giving a voice to these issues. Talk to Adara. My name is Adora Onyekere. It is a privilege always to have you here. Every Tuesday at 4 p.m. on 99.9 Kiss FM Abuja. Talk to Adara. It will leave you at the edge of your seat. Those are the words of Christiana Aguilar. She said, You will be beautiful no matter what they say, because words don't bring you down. And I think, you know, when you listen to that song, it brings me back to the conversation I had with a young woman. And I think uh, the Secretary General of Rappa also said a lot about, you know, stigma. And I think that's where the song comes across for me. So, um, in as much as we're talking about breaking down, you know, the, the voices and breaking barriers and speaking out. Now, some people say you have your esteem when you haven't reported a case. But when you report a case, you expose yourself to ridicule and even family, you know, criticism for some people. But I do believe that, you know, we've passed the stage where we should stay um, you know, on the fence without reporting cases, even though it is a third person. Now, findings from a national survey, um, you know, carried out, I think that was way back into 2014 on violence against children in Nigeria, especially sexual violence, confirmed that at least one in four females, one in four females, you know, reported experiencing sexual violence uh, in childhood with that approximately 70% experiencing it more than once. And I think that is very bizarre. And that was in 2014. Now, fast forward it right now, um, I mean, we have gotten to the point where people are asking, you know, by the day, if there are no laws available for, you know, punitive measures for this case. Uh, yes, the National Assembly in the House of Rep, you know, sat, I think there was a motion uh, raised on this matter in terms of reviewing uh, the laws already available uh, on this matter. The penalty for rape in Nigeria is barely, well, they say it's up to 14 years imprisonment. Um, but then again, I've seen a judge in the case sentence someone who raped someone to just four years 
with two years of that, uh, you know, judgment or rather incarceration suspended because he was young, quote unquote, by the judge and had a life in front of him. So the question is, what about the victim of the assault? What about the victim of the incident? Does she not have a life ahead of her? And so we, we really have a trying case. We have a trying period in our hands, trying to understand exactly on whose side the law is standing on. And I think that's a critical question. Um, the NOI polls also published a poll in 2019 uh, talking about that uh, up to one in every three girls, I think one, one in every three girls living in Nigeria could have experienced at least one form uh, of sexual violence, at least by the time they reach the age of 25. And that is frightening. So you go by all the statistics and data. You're also asking with what we have today and looking at the variation in our laws, um, the question is, how do we also harmonize what we have? You have most of the northern states that practice a Sharia system of justice that would run at variance, you know, with the normal law or with the Violence Against Persons Prohibition Act. So that's also a problem. You know, so how do you look at that? How do we mitigate that? So someone would say in the north it might be religion, uh, in the south it might be culture and stigma and stereotype. But then again, uh, at what point do we bridge the gap? So I'm going to be talking to uh, Shagun when we'll come back, and um, we will be looking at issues based on policy review, the law as it is, and justice. So we'll take a quick break, and then we will be right back to stay with us. I can tell you that in my constituency, I'm yet to hear somebody telling me that he has benefited from the conditional cash transfer and other programs like that. It's worrisome that this is happening. How has this been for you, first as a lawmaker and second as a Nigerian? Talk to Adara. A talk show like never before, delving deep into the hearts of social issues, unapologetic, engaging, thought-provoking, a show that bridges the gap between the people and policymakers, bringing solutions and giving a voice to these issues. Talk to Adara. My name is Adora Onyeja. It is a privilege always to have you here. Every Tuesday at 4 p.m. on 99.9 Kiss FM Abuja. Talk to Adara. It will leave you at the edge of your seat. All right, thank you for staying with us. We'll be getting to Shegun in a bit. While we do that, um, I do not know some of the critical conversations that have come in. Just before I do that, please remember you can join us. Please, someone says I keep forgetting to mention the numbers. I keep going on and on. So we have 080-999-87770. The number again is 080-999-8770. Or you can call us on 090-300-00899. So those are the two numbers. You can also reach us on our social media handle at Talk to Adora on Facebook, Talk to Adora on Twitter, Talk to Adora on Instagram. So please remember that all the platforms are open for your views. Now, um, in, in terms of talking about, you know, security operators, our hospitals, families. Now, I, I, I do not know because I know that uh, Miriam is listening to me in the background. And there's always this issue of hospitals wanting to see a police report. 
before treating victims. You know, you see someone and you know, this is very unfair because this is a time bound crime. It happens instantly. Someone wants to get, you know, respite, rushes to the hospital. There is no, there is no period of, you know, or space or break to say, oh, think, write a report. The first thing you want to do is get to safety. And that safety means going to hospital to check if the person is still okay. And it's, it's all mind boggling because when you get to the hospital, what they ask you first is for a police report. So that's really quite alarming. I do not know how the hospital policy um, works around that. That's also one of the questions that we need to want to be putting across in the event that they review the motion and it gets into bill. So, and that's it. So we have Shagun right now. Shagun, good evening. Hello, Shagun. Good evening. How are you? Yes, good evening. Sir. How are you this evening? I'm good. Too. Yeah, thank you so much. Now, Sheikh, I know that this is also mind-boggling for you. You have been also at the forefront of this, you know, uh, quest to look at finding justice for not just the victim, but to also find some healing by getting uh, the institutions to look at this as an emergency. Um, we're looking at rape, sexual assault, sexual harassment uh, right now as an emergent case. Um, looking at the increase from what we have seen last week and weeks before. It's not a new crime. So, Shekel, in your, in, your in your own understanding, do you think that we always wait when already when it's almost too late to bring intervention to things like this, especially as it concerns gender? Thank you. Uh, I want to believe that technology is actually bringing to fore, you know, more than ever before. And as you can look at the whole situation you realize that all the things have been present before, but because of the advent of social media, uh, technology and the rest, people are getting bolder to speak out about these uh, issues, sexual harassment and other, and other conflicts that we have leading to sexual violence and sexual abuses and rape. Now, I, I believe that they have not been paying attention. I believe that we have not been doing enough we are always waiting for structures, for governments, you know, to intervene and to do something on our behalf without realizing that we all have a responsibility to protect our women and children in society. Because when a woman is assaulted, the entire society at large is assaulted. And when you deliberately inflict emotional distress on children, you have violated generation by sowing the seed of abuse. I think these are some of the things we take for granted. But it's time for us not only to advocate, but also to implement certain things, certain stopgaps that will make it very impossible for this culture of rape to continue in our society. Right. Uh, Shaka, thank you for that. Now, sis, staying with you, um, I know that the National Assembly Saturday, they were supposed to wear black. Um, apparently, they did not. Perhaps they forgot uh, for this matter. Yeah. But going forward... Um, we're looking at policy review. We're looking at interventions being in intentional. Now, Shagun, we have a country where most of the northern states um, practice Sharia system of justice. And looking at that, you would also understand that that will sort of run at variance um, with the Violence Against Persons Prohibition Act, which is one of the new laws. How do we harmonize? Because, again, if we're calling for you know, um, an intentional step by 
say the legislator or the legislature, we are going to also have to review to what extent those laws can be domesticated in some of the states, especially the northern state. That there should be more conversation um, at the state level with the state legislature, not just at the center. Yeah, thank you very much. You're absolutely correct, you know, that there needs to be a stronger advocacy on the Violence Against Persons Prohibition Act to be fully domesticated across the state. But I must say that the uniqueness of the new law is just the application of the court to the court for protection and compensation of vulnerables, of of the survivors of sexual assault under the VAPA of 2015. But that's not the only avenue through which victims of survivors can actually seek redress. We have the fundamental right enforcement proceeding. We have the criminal proceeding, which begins to look at the penal code, and that is if you are living in the north, and the criminal code if you are in the south. And I believe that every state have their own unique approach to prosecuting issues surrounding rape. And there are several other civil proceedings that victims or survivors can also pursue, like assault, like battery, sexual assault, harassment, and all of these can run concurrently. So the the major issue here is are the stop gaps. How many uh, sexual assault referral centers do we have across our state? You know, also, we need to begin to look at the level of the prevention, prevention of sexual violence initiatives that we have in place. We shouldn't be reactive and be waiting for something to happen before we start running helter-skelter. We must be able to have something that will be triggered when uh, issues of sexual assault happen. And there must also be awareness, proper awareness of what we must do to prevent it from happening. And these are the ways in which you can begin to uh, objectively and proactively engage the culture of rape. Now, in, in terms of breaking barriers and increasing you know, the voices of you know, girls or men or people who have been victims, we have often said that rape cases have been underreported. I mean, data shows us that. Um, however, there seems to also be a, a challenge. For instance, um, most hospitals want to see a police report before treating uh, a victim. How practical is that? And what could also be the measure to take in terms of policy for hospital and health service platforms? I believe that um, that has been cleared over the years that, um, in fact, of recent also, it has been reiterated that no hospital should demand police reports in such cases. In fact, in any case whatsoever, because the hospitals themselves and doctors themselves, based on their hypocritical, hypocritical uh, act that they signed, they must not, you know, the health of the person, the, 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 the life of human beings must be paramount to them as against whatever, whatever it is they want to achieve by pleasing the structures of the state. So there is a law that clearly guides that. But I think where the issues are is people themselves understanding what they need to do when they become, find themselves being a survivor of rape or a victim of such, you know. So And, and I believe that the uh, sexual assault referral centers that we have operational across it are there to actually guide people and give people the uh, medical support, legal support, and the psychosocial support 
not necessary to be able to stabilize them before they can fully prosecute their case. So I don't think sexual assault uh, victims or survivors have issues with police reports or the rest before they get tested. What if what if there is such a scenario? What could be done to such a platform or a health service provider? If there is such a case, that's why we have um, organizations or NGOs all around who are in the forefront of the uh, campaign and the advocacy against the rape culture as it were. So if you could reach out to any of these people, any of these organizations, it could either be Mirabel, it could either be Wacol, you know, there are so many of them out there and they have been they have proven themselves over the years. They will be able to guide you through where to go and what to do. And because in our society, when issues of rape arises, we always have a burden of, a financial burden on the victims. Even when the perpetrators have been arrested, you find out that it's the parents of the of the of, of of the victim that tends to pay for all the services within that conundrum because there are no budgets for that or with the police. You can't expect the police themselves to use their salaries to prosecute a case. So it's, the money has to come from somewhere. And most times, if the families don't have the money to prosecute the case, even to treat themselves, they'll get frustrated and they just have to live with it. They have to, you know. So that's one of the things that the uh, the sexual assault referral centers and the P- PSVI, that's the Preventive Social Violence Initiative, that have been implemented by organizations like Social Intervention Advocacy Foundation, Mirabel Centers, and WACO, there is to guide these people and to help them out until they get justice. Okay, um, finally, I do know that um, Rapper, you know, is also doing a lot, and the Ministry of yes. Women Affairs, you know, Paul Italian also raised her voice, you know, in, in partnership to, to fight in this. Now, just before you go, I, I, I have often wondered in terms, like you spoke about leadership, you spoke about the intentions and uh, government being intentional and the citizens advocating and pushing for you know yeah. some level of impact now it, it, let's do like a quick you know comparative review and I, I want to take a question from there I do remember the serial loan you know um, last year declared a national emergency um, over sexual and gender based violence after recording cases of rapes and assault that had doubled over the year um, Sierra Leone is a country of about 7.5 million people and they have and you know, with a rising case of 8,500 rape per year, that's quite a lot, you know, even with those that are underreported. And it took the president, Julius Mader Bile, to come out to declare an emergency, a state of emergency, uh, you know, on rape and sexual assault at the State House in Freetown. And he said, and, you know, I, I quote him, he said, you know, enough is enough um, with immediate effect. You know, sexual penetration of minors is punishable by life imprisonment. And any sexual assault of, of women without consent, I do not know if women can ever be assaulted with consent, you know, is also, you know, life imprisonment. And he also said that the formation, now that's where I want to take the question, because you mentioned about the police funding. The formation of a dedicated police division to investigate reports of sexual violence, as well as a special magistrate's court that would fast track cases and a budget and inclusion of it in the budget would be done with immediate effect and now that's been intentional so coming back to us here in nigeria um the police force is already overwhelmed as it seems somebody would say they do have a gender unit but looking at the rising cases of rape and sexual harassment Shegon, what could be 
the next step that could aid the police as a force to look at this as a case and as an exclusive, you know, desk of, you know, issues to be attended to, looking at it subsequently. Thank you, Adora. I believe that Nigeria and the Nigerian leadership, whether at the legislature and also at the presidency, needs to put the, their heart, you know, out there in service for the people. Because if they cannot feel the pulse on the street, there's really no point of us having a government. I believe by now a state of emergency will have been declared on sexual abuse and gender-based violence, domestic violence and rape. But until things get out of hand, until we get to a watershed moment, we don't ask in this part of the world. Nothing stops Nigeria or Nigerian government from making such declaration and equipping the police enough to confront this. But when you look at the issue within the police conundrum itself, there are still many things that are not working. Our divisions are not working. Most of the time when we want to fight crime, we need to bring in special intervention squad. As I speak to you now, if we have a hundred division in the police, we don't even have up to twelve. Having a gender-based violence or family unit or gendered unit, you know, desk where people can actually go to and seek redress or find someone to help them when they have issues like this. What we normally find is police officers who are untrained, who will further victimize the victims and tell them things that will make them feel more depressed or push them to suicidal thoughts. And if we don't have places to go, People don't have people who can hold their hands in terms of need. Things can only get worse. And we realize that most of the abusers were also abused. So that's how we go around in the vicious circle, hurting ourselves when government could have done the needful and citizens also could have known what to demand from their government. This is where we need to put more energy on advocacy and on the push for the domestication of the VAP Act across the states of Nigeria. Only in Abuja, only in Abuja and of recent, Edo State, after the death of Owa, that we have the VAP Act operational. And even at that, you have to push enough before you can get anything out of it. So this must change. All right, definitely. Again, you know, I mean, coming from, when we talk about gender, what people think about most of the time is female, you know, but gender cuts across, you know, both classes of persons, both male and female. However, the issue when you think victim is female, when you think abuser is male. And bordering on that and the statistic we've seen, you know, questions have been raised on whether it isn't time yet to teach the boy child what consent is and what it means for a girl or a female to say no. Somebody was arguing yesterday online saying there's something called body language consent. You know, where a girl will say no, but it means yes and yes, it means no. You know, I was talking about it here and my producers are laughing. But it, it someone said that, that a girl could be showing body language uh, consent. So you tell her and she said, no, 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 no. But her body is saying yes, yes. I do not ever imagine that anyone would consider that as an excuse to harass anybody sexually. But isn't it time to teach our boys what consent really means? It is, actually. The continuous injustices and inequalities that have become a culture must at this time be abated with the declaration of a state of emergency on rape and sexual assault and also for, for us at home, parents, to begin to teach their children to raise gentlemen who will not report other people's children. Consent remains voluntary, sober, enthusiastic, verbal, non-correct, continual, active, 
and honest. If any of these qualities are absent, then you are in the region of rape. And this is one of the things we must teach our children. Thank you so much, and it's been fantastic having you on the show. Uh, quite insightful conversation. Please do not stop the advocacy. We're with you on this. All of us must keep shouting above the bar until we get justice and heal the land. Thank you so much for coming on the Thank show. you very much, Adara. You're welcome. All right. Yes, and that was uh, Shegun Awasaya, founder of Social Intervention Advocacy Foundation and convener of the famous hashtag and SAS campaign. We'll take a quick break. Um, I can see Miriam vibrating in the studio. I mean, there's so much to say. She's what a poet, and uh, you know, and a speaker, and also an entrepreneur. And she'll be telling us from a first-person narrative, you know, an incident. Perhaps it might break your heart, but what we hope to get from this sharing is the fact that we need to start hearing the voices and finding solutions. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Honestly, I don't feel okay with this isolation. Being indoors without going anywhere is like hell for me. After these two weeks now, what's the next step to take? What's the way forward? I can tell you that in my constituency, I'm yet to hear somebody telling me that he has benefited from the conditional cash transfer and other programs like that. It's worrisome that this is happening. How has this been for you? First, as a lawmaker, and second, as a Nigerian. Talk to Adara. A talk show like never before. Delving deep into the hearts of social issues. Unapologetic. Engaging. Thought-provoking. A show that bridges the gap between the people and policymakers. Bringing solutions and giving a voice to these issues. Talk to Adara. My name is Adora. It is a privilege always to have you here. Every Tuesday at 4 p.m. on 99.9 Kiss FM Abuja. Talk to Adara. It will leave you at the edge of your seat. Thank you so much for staying with us. Remember to call us on 080-999-87770. The number again is 080-999-8770 or 090 We saw your calls coming in earlier. Please do call us back. But in the meantime... Miriam, it's good to have you on the show. Finally, uh, Miriam Boka Hassan. She's a poet, a motivational speaker, an entrepreneur, an activist on violence against women and children, and has gained vast recognition. If you haven't watched the video, please go on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, the video is titled "Violence Has No Religion." Now, Miriam, tell us. I mean, I saw you listening to Shagun there, and he had quite a lot to say. Yeah. How do you feel about this? It's very... um, First, thank you for having me on the show. Um, The whole thing going on now on rape is very disheartening. And rightly, as Shagun said, we just have the technology to bring it to the shore. But it's been there. Even maybe worse cases have happened. And um, what I would like to add to that is now that we have the technology to bring it to the shore, we must not push it back to the ocean. We have to hold on to that and speak our truth. And and that's, that's how change can start. People um, underestimate the power of a voice. Um, I can I can remember talking to a friend and um, she was sharing a story, a personal story, and then that was how I got the inspiration to write a one-liner poem that says, "How I know my voice is a weapon of salvation." My abuser said, "I let you go because you have a voice," and I wondered just how many have been buried in the heart of silence. So he let her go because she has a voice. 
And that is power. If you speak up for yourself, you can be speaking up for others as well. And you just never know who you're speaking up for. So you must find the courage to come out and tell your story and and speak your truth. Now, talking about story, um, Miriam, I I know that there's been a lot of conversations on and offline. You know, um, I had the story of the young woman uh, who is now 36 who was abused when she was two on BBC the other day. Uh, But you had something particular to share, maybe about something that happened to someone you knew yeah yeah. Um, last year, a girl who was um, in my neighborhood in, in Kaduna, she shared a story of um, her father who raped her. And um, when she finally spoke to her mother about it, her mother told her that she should not say to anybody that the family name is at stake and she has to forgive him because he is her father. And so she kept quiet. But what she didn't tell the mother was she got pregnant and aborted twice. And finally, when she had the courage to still still actually um, say that to her mother, the mother still insisted that she kept quiet. And so she had to leave the house. She actually had to leave the country. And um, till date, when I remember that story, I really get emotional. And there are a lot of people like that. And something very um, common in the North is uh, when something happens to you, whether it be it domestic violence, whether it be it rape, that culture of silence, we're still battling with it. The first thing that they consider is the family name. But then they forget the definition of what family really is. What is family? If, if I cannot feel safe, if I cannot share what, what is wrong with me, if you cannot stand up for me, if you can't fight for me, if I rather, you know, choke up on my own story and die because of a family name, is that really family? I think we really need to do more about the culture of silence. Whether it be it rape, whether it be it domestic violence, whatever is happening. And again, you see that some of this, most of the rape cases, it's either an uncle, a, a close, close relation, relative. someone yeah. who knows them. And then they end up telling you not to say anything. We need, to, we really need to break the culture of silence because it's it's really eating deep into the northern part of Nigeria. In, in terms of help, you know, um, one thing is to get help after your silence is broken. Mm-hmm. Another thing is to suffer for being loud. Oh, yes. Um, we have seen case scenarios like that, especially in terms when people, you just spoke about family dignity and name and dynasty. Mm-hmm. But uh, some people would worry about how that has affected others and would rather stay behind closed doors. Do you think there should be more discreet, you know, discretion in terms of how conversations on victims um, who have suffered abuse should be uh, expressed. Uh, I do know that in the United Kingdom they have what they call the Samaritans, and the Samaritans um, there is they are a special sexual violence help decks where people can call in um, from all over the UK, wherever you are, in Worcester, in Reading, in Warwick, wherever you are, and talk about your experience and then be assigned assigned a counselor on the phone immediately or online you can use a pseudonym but your experience is real do you not think that in the advent of social media and technology we should look at exhausting such platforms using such technology rather than just waiting until we physically have that you know one-on-one interaction with help aids from foundations or organizations yeah 
Yeah, that that should. Um, we we should we should exhaust that. And um, but before I I um, talk a bit more on that, what you said about being discreet. Now, humans are different. We're all humans, but we're different. There are people that are ready to take the bull by the horn, and it's okay mm-hmm. if you feel you want to do that. It's absolutely fine. And there are people that need that help. They need someone to hold their hands mm-hmm. to actually coming out to speak their truth. Mm-hmm. If you're that type of person, then we need to find you help in the right direction, and that is also okay. Mm-hmm. But what I am, what I am just calling um, the attention of people to is speak your truth. It doesn't matter in, in what um, form. form, but speak mm. your truth. And another thing that, yes, they do face is how it's affected others and also how um, they think it might affect them because you find a situation whereby you come out and say, okay, I've been raped and all mm. of that. And then, you know, some people say, oh, I cannot get married to you. I think someone passed a comment on Twitter that he can never marry a girl that has been, been raped. raped. Yeah. And you have a lot of people that have that mentality. And so some other girls would be like, no, I rather not come out and um, directly just speak about it. And you Absolutely. can use that other medium of having a counselor because, apart from coming out and talking about it, the fact that you're reaching out is enough mm. because you want the help to be okay and your health and your mental stability should come first. Should come first before actually uh, making it open to the world. All right. That just before we go, what do you think the legislature? must do i mean they have started a conversation like i always say they go with the flow you know when everyone's talking they're talking when the talking stops they stop they stop we need to keep talking we need to keep pushing them we need to keep talking because truly enough is enough see when i was seven years old i was almost raped and um, i was just smart enough to run out because my, my mother has been, you know, quite open with me to, to educate me. So sex education at an early age. And so when, when I went back home, I told my aunt about it. And then I was like, don't tell my mother. And then she finally told my mother. And then my mother ran to the person to stab the person with a knife. But my mother missed. But if there is one thing that I know I wouldn't miss is if anybody tries to do that to my daughter, I would not miss the target. So there are a lot of people. I will kill somebody. And there are a lot of people out there that would take um, laws into their hands. So to prevent that, the legislature must put something in place that would satisfy angry mothers. Mm, I've heard that they say no to castration. I would have, I would have argued that if I was there. Oh yes. So even if they, they say no to that, at least there, there should be death. That's what I know. There mm. should be death, like serial or life imprisonment. Yes. Just they, they, that person took away life from somebody, so take his away. That's my take on that. All right, so I want to say thank you for coming. I think the most important thing is that we, like Shagun said, don't stop the advocacy going. Uh, Shagun Wafaya was here with us for interview on the phone, and he gave you eight case scenarios of what consent means. And please, it is there is nothing, absolutely nothing. Please, I'm talking to you on social media as well. There is nothing like body language consent or no, no means yes no there's nothing like that so please um if you've been in that position before please kindly reach out to the necessary authorities and the nigerian police please we do hope that you're more sensitive you know the gender dex unit you're more open to conversations and listening to issues bordering on sexual harassment and 
again hospitals so um, we want you to also join the advocacy uh, say no to rape and like you can see here it's hashtag justice for uh, of course Owa hashtag justice for uh, Tina and also for justice for Barakat these are the foreigners for the millions and thousands and perhaps young girls who have also been abused you could do this on your own you could say hashtag emergency state of emergency or rape or say no to rape print it on a placard wear a black t-shirt and put it on all your social media handle let's get the advocacy going so we are saying enough is enough legislators sit up and get talking and let your talk become work the motion please do not bury it like you would do others let it become a bill and then also get into the lawmaking process for nigerian girls you have daughters you have sisters and i'm thinking you should be thinking the next generation of girls thank you so much for joining us today on talk to adora thank you so much miriam it's thank been great you. having you thank you for having me thank you so much please don't stop raising your voice and bring it up to par for me i would say thank you everyone right there on facebook and on social media we need you we need your voice let's keep doing this together see you again next week from me for now i say goodbye and yes indeed say no to rape goodbye for now Honestly, I don't feel okay with this isolation. Staying indoors without going anywhere is like hell for me. After these two weeks now, what the next step to take? What the way forward? I can tell you that in my constituency, I'm yet to hear somebody telling me that he has benefited from the conditional cash transfer and other programs like that. It's worrisome that this is happening. How has this been for you? First as a lawmaker and second as a Nigerian. Talk to Adara. A talk show like never before. Delving deep into the hearts of social issues. Unapologetic. Engaging. Thought-provoking. A show that bridges the gap between the people and policy makers. Bringing solutions and giving a voice to these issues. Talk to Adara. My name is Adora Benyedra. It is a privilege always to have you here. Every Tuesday at 4 p.m. on 99.9 Kiss FM Abuja. Talk to Adara. It will leave you at the edge of your seat.